Mr. Waller, I've offered this man a lot of money to do this, okay? Because it's worth it to me. However, I don't care if I end up penniless. I don't care if I have to spend my life savings. I will see to it that you end up in the hospital for one week, Mr. Waller. Do you understand me? <laughs> I need me a Japanese. Ah! <laughs> I love it! I love it! I'm gonna be people from everywhere! I need me a Japanese! I don't have to defend the title of me! I'm here, and I'm going to be here until I feel like I want to leave. And if you don't like me being here, train to be a professional wrestler, get in this ring, and I'll beat you like I own you. Hello there, folks. Welcome to Talking Tourneys number three, where we're going to be talking about King of the Ring 1993. I am one of your hosts, Sam Dimaccio, and with me, as always, Dan Rice. Dan, how are you doing? I'm doing great, so I am ready to talk about King of the Ring. Ready to talk about King of the Ring. So before we get started, what is kind of your history with the tournament? So, because I'll upfront say, I have never seen the tournament until we did this episode. I saw this tournament, but definitely not at the time. See, I, I don't know. I don't have. I don't think I have the memories that some people have, because they'll be like, my first match was, you know, IRS versus Skinner. 1992 or you know what i mean but i know that this is around the time that i understood that wrestling existed and 95 is when i really became a fan 95 is when i was like this is my life you know so i went back and rewatched a lot of because i i started loving bret hart and Shawn michaels so i went back and rewatched this when i was a kid and it took place i mean three hours from my house but i didn't obviously go <laughs> Before, yeah, I, I guess like before, but I, I would have been five. That would have been like, yeah, and it happening before you really knew that you are going to dedicate your childhood wow. and adulthood so to much, watching so this time. stupid thing. Yeah, got it. Cool, 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 cool. I will have you know, my mom did drive me to Dayton sometimes, at, such as to sit in the parking lot because she refused to go in to see Necro Butcher versus B.J. Whitmer in War of the Wire Two. You know what? Wild for her. <laughs> also, don't blame her. What a de- what dedicated person. What a dedicated person. It's when I look back on it, I go, what an insane thing for me to ask her to do. Hey, can we just drive to Dayton this Saturday? And even more insane for her to be like, sure, but I am not going in. I guess that's like probably the most sane. Yeah, did she do anything? Did she go out, like drive uh, around town? She was a big reader. Okay. She, uh, she would read. Like I think I've I, talked about it. Maybe in the Desert Comp uh, episode, she would go to WWE events because, I guess maybe because they were in bigger arenas, she didn't want to go inside a fairground or whatever. But she would bring her book into the show. So she hated the Undertaker. She hated Kane. Anyone who had your lights go out. Yeah. Yeah. yeah okay. I remember that. I remember that. But she's sitting there trying to read her novel. Well, I can't imagine any ROH venue being in a great part of town. Um, oh. No, and I'm letting my mom just sit there and read a book outside of some fairground in Dayton. There's not, I mean, Dayton, there's no great part of Dayton to begin with. Sorry, Dayton. No, you know, no one's listening here from Dayton. It's fine. <laughs> so, okay. So that's your experience with King of the Ring. King, King of the Ring, yeah. I've never you? seen the you? show. I, this is the year after I'm born. So, fair to say, not a wrestling fan quite yet. And I did not grow up on Brett. I didn't really grow up on Sean. So these are not wrestlers that particularly stay with me all that much. But this is obviously a pretty important tournament. It's the first King of the Ring. 
which they well, make. What, what's up? It's not really the first King of the Ring. They just pretend it is. What do you mean? This is like the fifth King of the Ring. This okay. is like the first one on pay-per-view. Okay. Okay. Yes. Or maybe actually I was way off. This is one, two, three, four, five, six King of the Ring, maybe. Okay. This is the first King of the Ring pay-per-view. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Sorry. Sorry, sorry, but they do kind of, unless I'm missing it, they do kind of pretend that none of those other ones happen. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. I, if you watch this, they will make you truly believe nothing has happened previously as far as King of the Rings go. Which is interesting. Just move. It's not like an, a, a new, this is a, not a new promotion. Been around for a little bit. For a hot minute. Bret Hart is the last winner of the last King of the Ring, 1991. Uh, it's going into this. That is never brought up. That might as well not exist. For this episode, we're going to go through the qualifying matches before we get into the actual show. And this will not be the case with every single time out, but... We will be going through the whole show for the purposes of this episode rather than just the tournament matches. Now, because if you have a chance to watch Hulk Hogan versus Yokozuna, you, you got to do it. You do it. You got to the finish. Uh, let's hop into it. We're going to go into the qualifying matches. I'm not going to say things like the TV show aired on. I don't understand anything about the WF TV schedule. It makes no sense to me. Challenge Superstars Raw. It's nonsense. I truly believe that. First qualifying match took place on May 1st, 1993. Obviously. Mr. Perfect versus Doink the Clown. Doink jumps Hennig before the match even starts. That's kind of how this whole thing starts off. I think this is a fun little number, but what's kind of important here is like, this ends in... Double time limit draw. Which doesn't make any sense to me. Because it does not last any sort of time. That would go that long. If it's TV time remaining. That also doesn't seem to make sense. Because there's a lot of time after the match that occurs. I don't get it. Dan, what don't I get? Well, I wrote the word. I probably have 30 words written about this. And the word weird is written six times. Heck yeah. Heck uh, yeah. I, I mean, you're right. Doink starts out the heel. He jumps him. But there's a, I mean, there's a large section where Perfect is going for near falls and Doink is just kicking out over and over again, like a triumphant baby face. You know what I mean? Um, there's a commercial break in the middle. Um, and then the finish is, comes out of nowhere. And it was technically good. I liked everything they were doing. It just was all very, very strange. Yeah, it's a fun match. It doesn't have a lot of meat on the bones. And it definitely feels like they kn- they're they going in knowing, okay, there's no definitive conclusion here. We don't have to work to a finish. We don't have to ramp this up. We can just kind of stay at, our, at the same level throughout. And they do that pretty much to me. I, I, the commercial break was most one of the most obvious bits I've seen in professional wrestling in a minute. Where Hennig gets a goddammer of a knee lift on Doink. And then it goes straight to commercial. I'm like, oh, he's, he's not going to be... On the advantage when he comes back. Uh, and that Doink is just immediately in control when we come back. And I'm like, all right, <laughs> what are we doing here? So it's a little bit silly. 
But yes, I'm with you. It's good. It's just kind of also a kind of a who cares situation, I guess. I don't know. Uh, anything else you want to kind of bring to the first of multiple perfect versus drunk matches? Uh, no, I'm I'm comfortable just saying weird one more time. All right, cool. Luger versus Lex Luger versus Bob Backlund, May 2nd. As we discussed before we started this episode, this is on the WWE YouTube channel. And you had thoughts, you said. Give me some thoughts. Yeah, because you, you forgot you even watched this match, and I loved it. Um, I don't remember liking this era of Luger. It's actually like when I went back and watched him, I remember like hating this era of Luger, but he, he was great here. Babyface Backlund was on fire, pissing Luger off with all the chain wrestling. Luger bails out and is just so mad. And I mean, I mean, I don't know. The match is probably only like five minutes, but it works perfect. Uh, even the finish, which is a count out finish, worked out because it's Luger establishing that he has like a metal plate in his forearm. I think it's messed up that Luger will have to pad that guy up. I think that's unfair of the World Wrestling Federation to put that on him. He did not ask for it. It was forced upon him. No person gets a steel plate inserted into them. Unfair. Unjust. Yeah, I do like the pro wrestling idea that that makes you so much stronger. Yes. Not that it just means like, oh, your bones are completely brittle. Um, So (laughs) this unnatural thing is being plugged in there. And if you hit it real hard, it actually probably will hurt a whole bunch. Now, between this and the pay-per-view, it Am I going crazy, or do they alternate between it being his elbow and his forearm? I do think that is correct. Yes. Yeah, okay. it's... I think it's just a general arm thing. It's just the, the whole arm's metal. The whole arm that, is just metal. That pad moves places, too. It's it's, it's weird. Yes. yes. I do like... Yeah, like you said, I like how it establishes that Luger's not a pro wrestler. Not a wrestler's wrestler. And he's all about using his gimmick. And that's what we get. It's all right. It's fun. It's fun. Uh, going back to it, now they're looking over my notes. I'm like, okay, yes, my brain's mush. It's a five-minute match, though, so I'm not going to hold that against myself too bad. All right, moving on to May 8th. Razor Ramon versus Tito Santana. Two Latin icons. Dan, what were you thinking here? Uh, This one's, I think, even shorter than the last one. Uh, But Tito is insanely over. And there's a there's a near fall that, despite knowing Razor in the preview, I, I almost buy with the, the big forearm, and the Razor gets his foot on the ropes at the last second. It was, again, super fun. Yeah, yeah, I think the, the forearm kicks butt. It just feels like he explodes into it. Yeah, it's, uh, it's all right. I don't have any complaints here. This is uh, an all right way to get Razor into the tournament. May 9th, Jim Duggan versus Papa Shango. What are we thinking, Dan? This stopped being fun. It stopped uh, being fun? <laughs> yeah, I, I was like, we are such a role. All these qualifying matches are great. Great. Not this. Uh, it was in slow motion, and everything seemed so light. Like, they were barely hitting each other, but they were doing it as slowly as possible to barely hit each other. Um I think I wrote the definition of skippable. I would never recommend someone watch it. Uh, I, this is the special Mother's Day weekend match, just to be, to be clear. 
as Jim Ross and Bobby the Brain want to let you know. Is that like a big thing back in this these days to really celebrate all the holidays on any opportunity? <laughs> like they're making a big deal. This is a Mother's Day weekend special. I'm like, who is this? What mother is deciding that this is how they want to spend their day? Their night. They're anything. No one. None of them. Dango and, and Duggan. Yeah, exactly. And this is what you give them? I actually don't hate this match. I like Duggan so much in anything. So even just watching him putz around here, it's not a bad use of my time. But also, I'm not going to say, hey, go after this one. I will say, Duggan deciding that for the qualifying match, Shango's not going to get the full Monty. So he gets a three-point clothesline, not a three-point tackle. There you go. That's all you need to know, really. Moving on. May 10th, Bam Bam Bigelow versus Typhoon. Dan, what are you thinking? This was back to me and fun. This was two big guys slamming into each other. And uh, Typhoon was so big. He makes Bam Bam look small. And he kind of just throws him around a little. And uh, it's very funny how they kind of work that dynamic for sure. Yeah. Like I know Bam Bam's an agile big guy, but the way that Typhoon was picking him up and slamming him down, it was, it was kind of nuts. And then Bam Bam made sure to make it to do the opposite. When he's trying to lift Typhoon, there's just determination and it's obviously a lot harder, but yeah, I thought this was fun. That this was really good. Yeah. And this is definitely a fun way to kind of get back into things. Bam Bam doesn't really always, I have not seen Bam or Bam Bam work a lot as the not biggest person in the match by a good bit. Bam Bam hits a Samoan drop from God himself is what I have. And then hits the flying headbutt for the win to continue on into the tournament. Moving on to May 15th, Tanaka versus Giant Gonzalez. I, this is a whatever match in my book if there ever was one. Tanaka's comeback, I said, I, I thought was fun with him just kind of delivering chops from all angles. This really doesn't have a lot going for it. I know, like, it's cliche to say Giant, Giant Gonzalez, not very good, but Giant Gonzalez, not very good. I wrote three words Hey, Bill Alfonso. Hey, <laughs> Bill Alfonso. Well, like, he's, I, I, think, I, I was excited for that. He's weak. He's weak here. He yeah. immediately DQs Giant Gonzalez for the lightest shove you've ever seen so that's a wet and part he, in my he was uh gonzalez's i think he was like i don't know the term like his handler during this time that's why he's in this match but i just, I just love bill alfonso and i didn't care about anything else in the match so <laughs> i think it did no favors to gonzalez that he gets dq'd the bell rings and then instead of just like you know counting his blessings saying all right moving on in my life Got the heat. He decides to give one of the dirt worst choke slams you ever did see on Tanaka. And I'm like, damn, you really look like a real son of a bitch right now. That is not an impressive feat of strength. Let me tell you, you sad sack of a wrestler. That's what I got. That's what I got. Ready to move on to the next qualifying match? Yeah. What's old is new again. It is May 16th. Mr. Perfect versus Doink the Clown number two. I think I like this match more than the first match. But this is another time limit draw, baby. We got another one. I, once again, 
don't understand the concept of how they're structuring these matches. But I thought it's good. These two are like just understand how to work, which is sort of a lazy critique of the match or a lazy review of the match. But I just generally think they understand how to make it compelling, make their motions compelling in a match that is sub 10 minutes long. So what are your thoughts, Dan? Uh, I like this one better than the first one. Uh, they're uh, they're kind of really laying in, it seems like. Um, but you're, you're right. I mean, they're just good workers. They know how to work a TV match. Again, the time limit. I didn't time it, but I think time limit must be five and a half minutes. I don't know. Such a weird time. Uh, and then I guess Perfect wants more time afterwards, right? He wants five more minutes. Yeah. 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 That was Which is like, he didn't really want five more. Like, why well, is this funny? Like, this, this time he wants five more minutes. Last time he wasn't really asking for it. Yeah, I don't know. know. Like, we got to finish this now. I don't know. The the whole seeding of the tournament, the qualifying tournament, is a little of a gray, vague area where they're just like, we need matches. We'll have Doink and Perfect do it three times. Yes. Yeah. Let's give these two these two pros some uh, some time to do the business. All right. Moving on. Just a note: there is another qualifying match on May twenty third between Crush and Shawn Michaels that ends in double countout. I nor Dan could find this match online, so who gives a flying fuck? It begs the question, though: why do they run Doink and Perfect until there's a winner, but not Crush and Sean? Yeah, I, I guess the the only thought is one's a double countout, one's a double is a time limit. Time limit, yeah. It does it make sense? So I guess the draw is there is no winner. The double count out is you're both losers. Dang, that really contextualizes what that means. Yeah, I, I figured I it out there. It's true. That does add up. The math checks out. But there we go. We're moving on to the final Miss Perfect versus Doink. The clown match. May 24th on Raw. I I have to go back through the times on these matches. But to me, doesn't make any sense. This is very clearly the longest match of them. It's real good. I thought this was which, pretty real good. Which, which doesn't make any sense because the other two have been time limit draws. Yeah. So, like, what is the, what is the situation here that allows them to go longer? Yeah. I uh, don't know. But this is, like, a really strong end to things here. They're doing a weird thing with Doink around this time. Which someone's going to be like, well, obviously, this is what the storyline was at the time, brother. And I'll be like, I don't know. I haven't been paying attention at all. But doing twin doink gimmick and and doink always saying it's an illusion of some sort. And they try to do twin magic, more or less, to the finish, which is just an oddball bit that I can get behind. But I think this match is real good. I think... During the kind of middle portion, this sure feels like, okay, they're shooting on each other to a degree because they're really laying it in. And it looks like Kurt, <laughs> Kurt at one point tries to do a shoot double leg takedown on the outside, which is like, hell yeah. <laughs> but yeah, this match rules. Uh, this is a really good kind of finale to that little series. And it really makes the quali- watching these qualifying matches worth it. No, yeah, I, I like this one you know the best of the three it just kept building and uh, like i said it was really good 
Um, I could see if I was watching at the time, not liking the twin doing stuff, but just jumping in, like you said, loved it. Thought it was great. Um, and whether or not that was a shoot or what, but like perfect is really good at being frustrated, whether he was really frustrated or selling that he's frustrated. He looked mad and that's fun. Yeah. He's definitely going to look mad for matches to come. That's for sure. And it, it feels weird to point out, like he doesn't need pointing out. Uh, he takes really big bumps. Like <laughs> that, that is the Mr. Perfect thing, but it's, it's impressive when you watch it. Yeah, it works. It works. I think this match rocks. And I think it's definitely worth going out of your way to see. All right. Last matchup here. 530. Mr. Hughes versus Kamala. I got not a whole lot to say about this one other than Hughes was throwing those bungalows immediately. And... Mala doesn't have a lot of offense that's worth talking about, but he throws the tiniest little sidekick that just brought a smile to my face. Dan, what are your thoughts on this match? Well, I mean, what is it, two minutes long? Yep. Um, I don't have a lot of strong thoughts. I like Mr. Hughes a lot. I think on our first episode, I talked about how I've seen Madman Pondo a lot now that I've moved down here to the West Virginia, Kentucky, Ohio area. Another guy who you wouldn't think is on the scene a lot, Mr. Hughes. He uh, he is in Charleston, West Virginia, I would say, once every other month. That's wild. I don't know. I, I thought he lived somewhere in the south, but he's constantly either teaming with Shane Douglas or managing Shane Douglas. I've met him. Funny. He's a nice guy. Also very funny, that combo. Yeah. And uh, that's really all I got. He's a really nice guy. And there wasn't really enough here to judge. I mean, Kamala, uh, Hughes hit two dropkicks I like that Kamala didn't really sell. Rude. Yeah, that's all I got, though. All right, let's get into it. We're now entering the show here. And our first match is there. Do you want to go anything around that, that little pre show intro? There's not a whole lot there, but everything you want to say there? Or we ready to no, I mean, it's it's funny now that they have like the four hour pre shows because they just got right to it. Like JR, Bobby the Brain Heen, and the Macho Man scream about how Dayton's the heartland and we're going to get a King of the Ring and Hulkamania, and then we go. Yeah, like this is really. Right into the action here. And first up is Bret Hart versus Razor Ramon. I am curious, Dan, what your thoughts are on this one, since uh, this has some interesting feedback online. Um, I really like it. Number one thing is Bret Hart is the number one seed. That's important. He doesn't have to qualify. Uh, which I guess makes Razor Ramon the eighth seed. Uh, and does it, though? Does it? It doesn't make sense to me. But I don't it, think it does. I don't think it does. You would think the number one seed would face the eight seed, but uh, no. I mean, Razor's so good at selling in this match. Uh, I love him. I love his sell of the punches. Um, I just thought it was really smartly worked with uh, all the counters. Um, yeah, that was a great match. I don't. I don't have a whole much. What I actually don't know. What is the discourse about this match? What are people? Are they afford or against? It? I think it's a, a you know solid match. Uh, Macho Man is. Fully cheering on uh, Bret Hart. Not even really being like a color commentator. Just being like, Bret should win. Yep. Yep. Savage is going to be in for an interesting night. I'll say that. He is... I don't know when he's sort of introduced to the commentary at large. 
He's interesting. He's a very distinct voice, obviously. Ross are, and Brain are so, and Bobby are so great at playing off each other that this is a very chaotic insertion into that that formula uh, that I don't quite get. That I don't quite get. So, the discourse, it's not even really discourse around this match, is that essentially a whole bunch of people saying, this match really is much better than people say it was, uh, which doesn't really align with actually what you see from any outlet during this sort of time period. A lot of people were for this match. I'm sort of maybe not as bullish on some people. They were saying, like, this might be the second best match of the night. Like, okay, I don't know about that. I'm not know if I'm there. Uh, I thought this was good. I thought this was good. Yeah, it's I don't know of, if I go that far either. It's full of some fun little moments. Like, I'm always going to pop when someone has an arm lock and they get body slammed, hold it, and just drag their opponent down, back down with them, uh, which Brett does to, to, to Razor here. I think that rocks. Brett, uh, Razor hitting like half a dozen elbow drops and then a sequence shortly following and then missing half a dozen elbow drops. Fun, good stuff. Finish. I like it. It's really, really just slick. Razor going for the super backplex, back suplex. Gets crossbodied in the middle of it. And Bret Hart wins. Bret Hart, not necessarily banana peel finish, but also maybe not most definitive of victories. I want to call out the spot where Brett slides out of the razor's edge. They fight over the black backslide pin, like who's going to get it. And then Brett flips over and hits a small package. I thought that was really cool. Yeah. Um, and then, like I said, the arm work, he did a lot of smart arm work, arm work, arm work. But I, yeah, I really like this match. I don't know if I would say second best match in the show. I don't know. We'll see what I think of the rest of them, but it was, it was good. We'll get there. We'll get there. Next up, Mr. P- Mr. Hughes. Versus Mr. Perfect, Battle of the Misters. So, based on kind of the the little video package ahead, ahead of this match, again, I know nothing about WWF during this time period. They show a package from Superstars where Hughes looks like he's going to be feuding with The Undertaker. Who didn't care less, except it will play a part in this match. I ended up pretty much thinking this match was pretty good. It is short. There's not a lot to it. I know a lot of people are going to say, it's sloppy. I think Mr. Hughes is just a cool dude that I don't really care. Whatever you say. I love Jim Ross making the note that Hughes is one of the most penalized players in the Big 8 <laughs> conference history. Playing for Kansas <laughs> State, which I think Brain is going to make a, fun of him later in the show. Saying, everyone goes to college. Do you know anyone that didn't go to college? Uh, pretty much calling... Ross classist as well, which is great. So, yeah, I thought this match it's fun. It's it's fun. I really had a hoot of a time here. Dan, how about you? Uh, yeah, the same. I thought that Hughes moves really well, like better than I remember, and he is hitting all his moves really good and perfect bumps like a maniac. And I like it. Hughes seems really really tired. Whether or not he's actually tired or just selling, I think he's actually tired. It works. Um. It, and like it was sloppy, but I kind of liked it. Like there's one point where I don't know what the spot was going to be. They both hit the ropes incredibly fast to then just kind of crash into each other. Um, this feels like I said I met Hughes and now I'm just putting him over. But he also sold being crotched on the ropes. 
Yeah, like, I feel like you would actually sell being crotched on the ropes. It's, it was really good. It rocked. It rocked. Yeah, his face is just oh. oh. And he, you guys, guys, he always wrestles in sunglasses, so like he can't use the eyes, which I'm sure are really helping elevate things if you show those peepers. It rocks. And there is a particular bump that Hennig does that I was cackling over because it makes zero sense. He gets whipped into the corner. But his bump out of the corner is just a literal front flip out of it. Not, just, yeah, not like he even ricocheted off and did a flip. It was like bump, stop, flip. And I'm like, what are we doing here, man? You don't need to do all that jazz. Just fall down. Just fall down. Um, the finish was weird because they didn't really see. I This is my one gripe for the match. They didn't really seem to build to it. It didn't seem like Mr. Hughes was frustrated or couldn't put down perfect. Just out of nowhere, he's like, no, I'm done with this and hits him with the urn. Yeah, it definitely felt like, OK, we're we're moving on. It's time to bring out the the taker prop and keep things moving. It is what it is. It is what it is. You work with what you got. We're ready to move on to our next matchup. Yeah, it's Bam Bam Bigelow versus Jim Duggan. I don't have a lot to say on this. Quite frankly, I thought this match was absolutely okay. Uh, just not a whole lot to it. But Randy Savage, with one of his just like elite tier comments of the night, about midway through this match, I pretty much unprompted, he does say, notice we haven't had a three count yet, which is absolutely true in the professional wrestling context. Also, <laughs> fucking what? <laughs> Dan, what did you think about this one? I, that didn't stick out, but that is really funny. It was like, do you remember two minutes ago in this match when we had a three count? It's weird we're still here. <laughs> uh, you know, it's a good match because I have very few notes except I write, I like that Duggan pretended to shoot him with the two by four. Uh, so, and Duggan, unbelievably over. In Always has been. Just, yeah. What a, what a professional wrestler. How is this man not in the Wrestling Observer Newsletter Hall of Fame? Don't know. But yeah, I mean, this was, uh, I mean, maybe it was maybe five minutes. It was it was not a lot of anything. Bam Bam looked good and Doug was over and I thought it was fine. Yeah. Bam Bam does a banana peel kind of missed kick at one point, which I thought was a real funny bump for a man his size. And I'm like, okay, keep winning me over, my guy. You keep winning me over. <laughs> I've never been the biggest Bam Bam fan, but this tournament really doing doing wonders here for him not feeling like some of the athletic douches we got going on here uh, in independent professional wrestling. Next matchup, Lex Luger versus Tatanka. Dan, how are we feeling about it? Um, I don't know if you watched all the segments in between. We don't have to cover them all. We skipped a couple, but I want to mention <laughs> right before this, Terry Taylor interviews the Smoking Guns and the Steiners. Because I've never seen three men more bored than Scott Steiner and the Smoking Guns. They they just were like, we're good friends. We're going to win. It'll be great. Which is really punctuated because then Rick does his dog face gremlin thing where he's barking and is very excited. He's ready for it. But the other three, it's like they didn't know they were going to be interviewed. They are so bored and i just thought i just had to make note of that like i don't know why they why they felt they had to keep that in there or why they didn't do another take but oof 
But for Luger, Tatanka, I mentioned earlier, I didn't think this was my favorite era of Luger. Um, because there are some weird stuff, like he's a narcissist, and there's a mirror in the ring. I don't know that Lex totally understands that he should be mostly staring at the mirror. No. Which seems like an important part of being a narcissist. I don't think he um, quite we, gets it. Yeah. Which makes sense. Like he, he this, this probably why I didn't like to say this. He doesn't get the he doesn't get the gimmick. So how is he going to portray the gimmick? Um, we talked about the pad earlier. They're forcing him to wear the pad. It's weird to be like I guess it's in WWF logic. It makes him super powerful, but it's weird to force a heel to put on an elbow pad. But yeah, I get it in the sense that like you want them to be able to take it off whenever they want so that it gets heat. But man, he doesn't really seem to use that to his advantage much at all. In the sense of like, hey, this is a nice little storytelling device. You got built into your arm here. Never going to touch that until not just the very end, but after the end. Um, the, the, the actual match, it kind of starts out wild. I mean, Tatanka runs down and sneaks around and throws the mirror at him. And then they're just, on, you know, they're on each other. Um, this is a time limit draw that doesn't feel like a time limit draw. Like neither guy is wrestling like they're about to be kicked out of the tournament. It's, oh yeah, I was about to say. Oh, I felt every minute of this fifteen. Oh no, no, no. Yes, it did. <laughs> I get that now. But like they're counting down. Like they can hear two minutes left. They don't change the way they work even a little bit. These guys were going Broadway. They were ready to go the whole whole Kent Caboodle, and they're like, huh, fifteen minutes. Who um, knew? But yeah, so that means that Bam Bam gets to go straight to the finals, and they did cut away to Bam Bam in the match, like a little, I think they had him floating in the top left corner, in which I think he says, I want the Indian. He did be saying he wants the Indian. I did. Which is just, that's what you can say in 93, it's fine. It's just, it's no yeah, word in it. I did have that as my, in part of my notes. I want to get my hand on the Indian, Bam that, Bam Bigelow. Yeah, and I had, this match sucks, it goes to time limit. Why this one? Honestly, right call in the end because it eliminates both of them. But also, feels like we had other avenues to get them both out. Yeah, it's also weird because like, you know, they're pushing Tatanka's streak, but it's like the last two matches I watched him in aren't exactly keeping him strong, even if he's not losing. Yeah, the Luger post match is very weird because he oh he has five more minutes. He asked for five more minutes, which is. In like reality, it is a it should be like a heel move because like he can't get five more minutes. But this crowd, it's professional wrestling. They do not understand that when a wrestler says, "Hey, I want five more minutes," they think that's on the table. They think, "Yeah, of course." No, Lure here's this. He's big brother in here. The the commission. It's not my fault. I didn't get five more minutes. Is the WWF's. So that's a weird decision. Not going to get five more man's blasts to Takua with his loaded elbow after the match. You got anything else to say about the best match of the tournament so far? No, I don't think I do. All right. I, we got to talk about this backstage segment. I, I wasn't going to let you skip this one. Because it is great. It's amazing. Because Mean Gene Okerlund. Is a son of a bitch. A real son of a bitch. Let me tell you that. Me and Gene, you son of a bitch, you. He is just really riling up both Brett and Hennig here. 
really giving them the what for during the match between Hennig and Hughes. They show a clip of Brett in the corner, picture in picture, baby, saying, oh, I think I prefer to wrestle Hennig. I just think, like, I respect him more. And then Mean Gene's like, you said he respect him more, but what you really meant was you think he's an easier out. You think you'd rather go against his technical ability versus Mr. Hughes, just overall strength and badassery. Ain't that the truth? And just really poking the bear here. And it's just, just a great tension building as Mean Gene is like, oh, well, hey, guys, hey, guys, let's calm it down here. Let's calm Whoa. And then he didn't back up before we close it up here. Dan, what are your thoughts? What are you, you give me some commentary on this one as well. Yeah, well, Gene, I have no problem with being a shit stir, but then he's so mad that they're fighting. It's like, God, gentlemen, gentlemen. I was like, you did this. <laughs> he like, they, they were getting himself. along like best friends. And he's like, hey, Brett called you a pussy. <laughs> <laughs> like he did all of it like he made them fight and then was like you guys shouldn't be fighting like this and then the interview ends the way that every pro wrestling interview should really end arguing over whose dad is stronger yes yeah yep Bret Hart claims that Stu Hart <laughs> beat Larry Henning I don't know if that's true but he said it so and that really made Mr. Perfect mad so your dad never beat my dad <laughs> let, let the record show Oh, oh it, it was great. Yeah, it's a real piece of business here. And I love that like, we just roll right into the match. Like, this yeah. is immediately, it's time for Bret Hart versus Mr. Perfect. After getting <laughs> Mr. Mean Gene rustling their jimmies here. Damn. Let's get into it. Uh, great interview, right into a great match. Um, opens up with early mat work that, I mean... Brett, it was even better than the stuff in Razors. Brett, I thought it was strong. It was intense. Uh, Hart takes a huge bump to the guardrail. Um, and that becomes the story of the match. Hart selling his knee. Um, I really liked it. I mean, it's going to be oversaid about Hart, but just everything's so smart in this night for him. Everything he does makes sense and tells a story. Yeah. This is a great match. There is not going to be a lot of me going into explanations. Oh, hey, here's why this match really works for me. Everyone's already said it. There is not. I feel like this match has been discussed to death. I'm not the biggest Brett fan, but it feels like everything of this match is just like, oh, it's clicking. It's clicking. It's moving. It's grooving. It's the hot 50 here. It is going to town. It is just a tight tournament match in the context of King of the Ring, of this tournament, of them essentially billing this as the first King of the Ring ever, which I will envision this now as the first King of the Ring ever. It really works. It feels like, okay, this is the this is the match. This is the one that's really going to be like, okay, Brett's having a great night. But here's his technical prowess one. So, it rocks. I don't know. There isn't much to say. Well, um, there's a moment of this that that, that that maybe it's me just griping, like being an old man griping about the current product, but that really stuck out to me is that how much Bobby the Brain Heaton is rooting for Mr. Perfect to be a heel. Because even though Mr. Perfect's a babyface right now, and they're him and Bret Hart are being nice, nice, like when uh, Hart goes for the sharpshooter, Mr. Perfect goes after his fingers with a hurt from round one. Heenan loves it, freaks out, talks about how smart he is and how he taught him that. And it's just, 
the continuity and like the recognition of their own past, I don't feel like happens at all on the show anymore from what I watch. And I just really stuck with me. Yeah, the commentary is great. And they set up the big spot that gets brought up a lot here is how Hennig does use the fingers to get out of the sharpshooter attempt, not even the sharpshooter proper. And I totally get that. It is a neat little moment, and it's all set up by the commentary ahead of time, making big proclamations around it. So they really <laughs> foreshadow that a whole heck of a bunch early on. Don't constantly go back to that well, but let you know, hey, here's the Achilles heel. Let me tell you about it, and then kind of like carry on. We'll move on. This by itself, I think, is a little corny in the sense that like maybe gets a little too much play as a a neat spot just because it's like okay there's no real build to this other than he has taped fingers and there's never like it never felt like that was a dangerous point up until that yeah, moment but also then it leads into a real a real hoot here of Brett not letting Kurt grab the leg which I think is a much cooler smart spot of okay I'm going to Tuck my legs out. Uh, we're going to really get into kind of a football stance here. You're going to have to push me back against the ropes if you even want a shot. But if you do that, guess what? I'm just going to take you over with me. And that rocked. That was a sick moment. That's like, okay, I've seen so many suplexes over the top ropes. But the way they kind of set that one up, it ruled. And that leading to the finish. Also very cool. Also very cool. Oh, and it should just be noted that Kurt Hennig dumped himself on his neck twice by leg kicks via Bret Hart, which is the fun. Again, you're talking about how Hennig's just this big bump machine. He just does some of the dumbest shit that also rules. And I was like, yeah, oh, I know yeah, exactly just- what you're talking about when Hart is just kicking his legs, so he's just throwing himself on the top of his head. Yes, yeah. He looks at the first time like he's a skateboarder who launched at the wrong angle on a half pipe and just went, oh, nope, down I go. At a 45-degree angle on the old Nekaruski. He didn't have to do it. No, no one was forcing him. He could have just landed right on his ass. No harm done. Probably just a bit effective. But no, he decides, I'm going to go all nutso wacko here and just nearly kill myself. What a what a character that Kurt Hennig. Any other thoughts on this match? No, the one note that I had was the the perfect plex like reversal spot that you're talking about that and when it ended with them both crashing the outside. I I called that out too because sometimes when it's done now or even back then, it feels like both guys are floating over trying to protect themselves as much as possible, which, I mean, makes sense. But this didn't feel like this. This felt two guys fighting back and forth, and then when they finally crash over, they crash over. Yeah, but it still uh, felt very clean in the sense that, like, yes, it's yes. A su- it is a suplex that just goes yeah. from all the way over, and that's it. There is no extra <laughs> flourish then, like on said, there. It, it leads to the finish, and Hart wins with the reversing the small package. Yeah, it is a sort of match that just kind of builds up to that climax of, okay, everything that has happened so far, all of that legwork done on 
Harper is going to come to roost here. And even though he was Hennig was technically the one that got in the ring first from the suplex that Brett delivered. For Brett, it was just one big punch he was taking. For Hennig, it was a whole match worth of damage that he was having to fight off. So it worked for me and then some. Are you ready yeah, to move great. on? Yeah, they had the baby face handshake afterwards. It was it was good. We gotta we gotta do this next interview too. Yes, the whole the Hogan and Jimmy Hart promo. Yeah. How about you lead us off here? Well, this interview starts with a zoomed in mm-hmm. shot of Hulk Hogan's face. Uh what would you call that? Was it airbrush? Yes, airbrush on the Jimmy Hart's jacket. And I cannot tell you what was said outside of Dayton is the heartland of America. There's no water around here. There will be no sneak attack. This is what our baby face said in 1993. And this is not the point at all. This is not why anyone should be upset. But I need to bring this up. Because I don't know how many people have been to another center. Outside of it is a giant pond. <laughs> so it's such a small part. Not the offensive part. But I'm like, but there is water. It's right there. You can it's see right it. There. There's no way you didn't see it when you came in. God. And outside of that, I don't know. It feels like just like the, the promos I saw leading up to this show and that like Hulk is done, man. This is like paint by the numbers. Hulkamania is going to run wild. Yeah, it is one of the most xenophobic pr- promos I've heard in some time. Hogan's talking about America being God's country. Yep, a lot of that. And just will not tolerate insults of God's country by foreigners. How dare they say anything bad about this land? What a what a situation. Also, Jimmy Hart takes off his glasses and those eyes are just fucking wild. They will <laughs> they do not look real. That man's eyes are out there. So much coke. Good lord. I don't have anything else on the Hogan. No, that, that's here. all I have on that. You ready to get into Yokozuna versus Hulk Hogan for the WWF World Heavyweight Championship? Yes. My first note was that Hogan's pop was not half as big as Bray Wyatt's return. Oh my gosh. And that's okay. kind of, that's kind of my lap. My my major note here, I did not think this match was particularly good, though we could talk about the finish when we if after you kind of give your piece that um, does rock. Yeah, this is weird um, because theoretically this is a big world title match and it's smack dab in the middle of the show. Um, I, I you can fact check this. There's a bear hug spot that lasts 17 and a half minutes. Um, <laughs> it feels like it. Like How I, did they do this that? This is not an exaggeration. I got up, poured myself a glass of water, and came back in the room, and nothing had changed. Yeah, well, the thing is, there's a lot of it. There's just a lot of bear uh, uh, bear hugs. There's just a lot of holds that don't seem like they're going anywhere oh. for a very long time. It's it's wild. I've seen people say, this is a real darn good match. It worked. And I was like, I don't know what the heck you're talking about. What I you? like a lot of Hogan I revisit. This is not it. 
oh man, the crowd didn't even seem that amped up. Part of the the joy of a Hogan match is that the crowd goes crazy for everything. They weren't going that. They, I mean, I honestly think that maybe that neither of them were Bray Wyatt pops, but Duggan might have been more over it at certain points. Oh, absolutely, absolutely. I mean, that's mostly because of the match structure, like just wore the crowd down. Yeah, this is just what a what a weird thing. What a weird choice. The finish, though. Goodness yeah, gracious, does that rock? There is a camera person. I didn't feel like I missed part of the context or what the commentary was saying. There's a camera person that is kicking away Jimmy Hart from taking him off the apron. He's got his camera, big old thing. Larry take a picture of Hulk Hogan, who's looking like he might just win this damn thing and bring Hulkamania back to this great nation. And it's a flaming camera it just explodes more or less shoots a fireball right into his eyes and it's just rad as all hell and um, what, what do you feel about flaming fireball cameras uh i would say approximately a thousand times more impressive than when scarlet recently threw that flash paper two feet to the left of drew mcintyre i don't know if you saw that I, uh, yes <laughs> but it was really cool spot, and this is like a little thing, but I like that when Yoko was coming out, they established, they had multiple cameramen out there, they established that uh, foreign cameramen have been documenting, you know, the lead up to this match. Just, you know, giving context of why these guys are out there. And, um, yeah, I like the finish, and I like that after the finish, Yoko just drags him to the center of the ring and just murders him. Uh, yeah, it felt like if you were going to be like, I'm killing Hulkamania, like... Yoko did it. Yeah, I appreciate that. I appreciate that. If only that. there wasn't a two-hour match before the finish. Yeah, and also I just appreciate that. The person that, if he's gonna, there, there's going to be retaliation, it's going to be from a Canadian. So, there you go. There we go. Okay. Yokozuna is our new world champion. Next up, it's Steiners and Smoking Guns. Did, was there a segment... Between these things, that uh, I'm missing here. Yeah, Terry Taylor tried to talk to Mr. Perfect. Mr. Perfect didn't want to talk, so then they went to HBK and Diesel, who said not a lot of anything but looked real cool. Yes. Okay. I don't know how I didn't have <laughs> this down, uh, but yeah, the Diesel being the new insurance policy of Shawn Michaels is just. This is it. This is the debut. This is the real situation here. Not the debut. This is like the real the real deal here. It's interesting. It's interesting. It's so Cyrus, Smoking Guns versus Money Inc. and Head Shrinkers. I don't have a lot to say about this one either. Other than Mark Gunn went to school on a rodeo scholarship. <laughs> uh, well, this is like I mentioned in the last match, which I don't know what you do with it when you're going to do that finish. Uh, you don't want to take away from Bret Hart, but it's so weird to have what is that a big momentous world title match in the middle of the show, because then you have this match, which I thought was pretty good, but all the announcers are talking about is like Hulk Hogan's blind. Hulkamania is dead. Um, there's a fun spot where, uh, it starts with Scott Steiner and Ted DiBiase and they're doing some fun work. And then Scott gives them the clothesline to the outside and Rick just throws him in. And that happens. I think twice throws him in, gets knocked back out, throws him in, gets knocked back out. I thought that was really fun. Um, and then on a night with a lot of smart finishes, 
this has Ted DiBiase gets, oh shoot, is it Billy Gunn? I think it's Billy Gunn. In the Million Dollar Dream, holds it for 30 seconds, and then he just lets go. Yeah. Walks around, <laughs> turns around, gets small packaged. Yeah, and he do be looking like an idiot. Yeah. I don't know if I missed something. I was nope. like, I don't. No. Nope. That's it. That's the That's finish. It. All right. That's the business. That's done. Here we go. Wrap it up. Is a choice. I don't think it's a good choice, but it's definitely a choice. All right. Next up, there is a Yokozuna promo with Fuji. It's. I don't know. I don't know what to tell you. All I got from this is that they said they're going to celebrate in America. Is there something I'm missing here? No, I literally wrote down nothing about it. I wrote down Yokozuna interview. Shawn Michaels in an Intercontinental Championship versus Crush. My my one note here really is Crush is just the ugliest fucker I've ever seen. (laughs) He is just a not a good looking person. What what are you thinking about this match, Dan? Um. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, I remember like now knowing that. HBK was in a qualifying match. It would have been cool if he was in the tournament rather than doing this. Seems like a uh, not a great use of time. No. Um, I remember thinking, I don't remember Crush being, I don't remember him being so huge. He was really big. Uh, Macho Man, again, in his weird night of commentary, is a big Crush guy. Big Crush guy. Like, I think he mentions that he Crush might be the guy to beat Yokozuna for the title. God bless. That Which is nuts. Um, I think it's like Sean does a lot of stuff targeting Crush's head. Stuff that like there's stuff in this match that like if you wrote it down, I might like. Oh, that sounds interesting, but just when it happened, it wasn't nothing. I mean, Diesel gets involved with the cheap shot. It just nothing, it was kind of a nothing match. The two doinks come out. Yeah, that was the weirdest thing to me is that the actual finish didn't involve Diesel all that much. It involved the the two doinks. I didn't get that. <laughs> like, yeah. I know there was like a pre-existing thing going on with the crush in them, but I, we have this new character lined up to really put a stamp on Shawn Michaels and really give him that extra edge. That's not what we're going to do with him here. Well, it was a choice. You know, Diesel's my insurance policy, but if someone else pays the bill, I don't need to use my insurance that's, policy. That's fair. That's fair. Yeah. Uh, I just, yeah, that's all I guess. Yeah. Oh, man. Let's, let's get to the big one. Let's get to the big one. It's a main event in the evening. It's Bam Bam Bigelow versus Bret Hart in the finals in the ring. 1993. Dan, how are we feeling about this one? Uh, Loved it. Um, This is like, we the whole reason we do the show, we both love tournaments. And what better tournament structure than Bret Hart having two long, grueling matches and Bam Bam Bigelow having about what five minutes of match time under his belt and having rested well over an hour. It was like, I love that story. Um, I thought JR was really good here. Uh, basically, they're putting over that it's a moral victory that Hart is even surviving against Bam Bam. Uh, Brett's selling the fatigue really, really well. Um... Just there's a lot of hope spots, but like Bam Bam just keeps. It's funny because like we talked about Bam Bam being so agile and playing and like 
being underneath that typhoon match here, he is just the big brute catching Brett, slamming him down. Uh, at one point he's doing repeated, uh, the repeated head drops to the back. I just, I really like this match. What did you think? Yeah, this match rocks. I, I think this is a really, really good one. The way Bam does his back suplexes for Brett specifically rules. It's like he's doing an atomic drop, but instead just poop straight down. And that's looks so brutal, looks so grueling. I loved it. The bear hug he's delivering on Brett. I don't know logistically if it actually works, but it looks very great because uh, it's, it's kind of just like a sack of potatoes over his shoulder. You know, the fi- I did not like how the, the finish stuff happened. With and, Luna? With Luna. Kind of yeah. in the middle of the match. Brett's outside. Bam's in the ring. Ref's not doing their fucking job. Luna uh, comes out. I, what's, I feel like I've blanked in the last name. Vajan? Yes. Luna Vajan, she comes out with a chair and whacks him. Whacks Brett. So when Bam gets back in the ring, does his headbutt, the crooked refs reverse the decision. And said, hey, this match is going to keep going. Because we need a clean winner here for King of the Ring. Which, the match after is good. It's really good. It's just, that's just a weird moment to throw in there that I don't really think makes Brett actually look all that good. It makes it look like he needed (laughs) someone to bail him out for getting smacked. But yeah, like, this match rocks. There's not a whole lot I'm going to add to it other than... The finish is neat, but again, I don't, Brett doesn't have a lot of like decisive victories during this tournament. And this is also not one of them, where he kicks Bam running at him in the corner, then Bam, victory roll from the top, looking real athletic, gets the victory, new king of the ring. Do you have any thoughts yeah. on that, like interference and that finish particularly? No, and I get what you're saying. I almost wish there was a way to do it differently, but I, yeah, I, I don't know. Uh, I, I didn't mind it, but I could, I could see having a problem with it. And like you said, it doesn't, it does make someone be like, wait, 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 gotta save Bret Hart because it's like that doesn't happen in every match. Like sometimes people just interfere. Yeah, exactly. It's like um, okay, why won't, don't we do this all the time? If we yeah. see that. That's my <laughs> thoughts, but. I don't think it takes away too much from the match. I think the way they did it, regardless, looks a little weird. Even if, like, Brett came in and kicked out. It just uh, was interesting. It was interesting. But again, like, that doesn't hold the match back from being a great David versus Goliath sort of match. With all of the buildup that Brett has to go through to get here. And all the lack of build that Bam Bam has. Right again to the, the post-match here. The coronation. The coronation. It's... It's a lot. It's interesting. I love, and this kind of goes back to your first point during the Ramon match, the Razor match for Brett, where Savage is just in the tank for fucking Brett here. Savage drops everything he's doing. He's doing commentary, not anymore. He runs into the ring, makes sure he gets the first handshake to Brett before going back to it, which I was like, man, this guy is just, he's got no cares in the world. Brett gets all of his king stuff on. 
lo and behold, it's Jerry the King Lawler questioning Brett's loyal royal legitimacy. He said Brett can be a prince. Nothing more. Then one of the most cringe things I've seen in we I watch wrestling wrestling a lot. It is one of the worst things you can most embarrassing thing. People telling me this guy's a main event star level star, like a huge deal, their favorite wrestler of all time. You're a you're fucking weird. Because Brett starts a Burger King chant for Jerry. It was like, this is how we're gonna mock him. We're gonna call him the Burger King. And it's just entirely too embarrassing in my book. Lawler will eventually attack Brett for all this. He goes, I guess he's never wearing a shirt. I assume he's wearing, thought he was wearing a shirt. All I know is that Jerry's got no shirt on. Next thing I know after attacking Brett. All I can kind of register there. What are your thoughts on this finale to King of the Ring? Um, I kind of have similar thoughts. Well, I think Brett can be an effective promo. But yeah, that was real cringy. Uh, Lawler being nice, offering him prints. Trying to be a good guy. Um... I don't know if you're a football guy. Bret Hart gives me real like uh, Russell Wilson vibes, which is oh, that might be a little mean. <laughs> that might be a little mean. I don't know. It just feels like I know how you want me to see you. Um, but I, I liked it. I thought it's a good way to end the pay per view. I mean, you spend the whole pay per view building Bret Hart, and now we instantly know what we want to see Bret Hart do now. Yeah, absolutely. And I think yeah, as far as the Russell Wilson can. Pearson, I now think of Bret Hart, peak Bret Hart doing a subway commercial. <laughs> Spicy. No. Yeah. 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 I get that. So that's it. That's the show. That's the tournament. Let's get into it. Let's, I always forget. What do we do first? Match of the uh, night? Wrestler. I think we do match of the night first. Usually. Let's do match of the night. Do you want me to Which, go first? Do you want would, to go first? I would like you to go first. I thought I would be like unique, cool, go against the grain, but I don't think I can. I think the match, the the match of the night, the match of the tournament for me is Mr. Perfect versus Bret Hart this evening. I think that match is too much going for it. It's got so much intensity. They really make you feel like, okay, this is an important match. This is an important tournament for me. And I'm going to bust my ass. And for Henning, that means, okay, I need to wrestle with that edge. I need to go really go to my roots and do what I know has worked for me. For Brett, that just means, okay, I'm really going to have to grind this one out. I'm going to have to, I don't have a lot of bags, bag of tricks here. So I've kind of just need to weather the storm here and hope I can do enough damage to that leg to, to get out of here. Yeah, that's my match. That's my match. What about you? See, I had you go first to see if I could will myself to make it Bret Hart versus Bam Bam. But no, it's it's Bret Hart versus Perfect. <laughs> that's the match. <laughs> I took those extra two minutes to really be like, you know, the Luna stuff might be really good. Yeah, oh, um, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I think that if it's not there, like, there's a very real chance I pick that instead. They're both so good. Like, they're, they're close. Yes. Like, they're, um, they're both, I think, great matches. So I feel like that should be noted. I don't think there's a huge gulf between them. 
one of them just has something that I do feel is like a pretty blatant flaw. Yeah. One doesn't. And Mr. Perfect, I mean, not a newsflash, can overbump, but every, but he, I thought it worked so well in that match. So I used the, the spot you talked about is such a small spot in 99% of matches. Brett kicking him, uh, Perfect going to the ground, but the way Perfect kills himself is just so good. And that's the match of the night. It seems obvious. It seems like you can try, but that's the match of the night. Yeah. Yeah. And then I'll go ahead and pick the worker of the tournament, which feels like with Super J Cup and now this, we're picking ones where the worker is a little obvious. I don't know. It's Bret Hart. I'm going to cheat. Oh. Because I do consider the qualifying match as part of the tournament. And I do oh. think the Doink versus Hennig stuff is too good. And I don't really like the Razor Ramon match all that much. So See, I'm... what's funny about that is I didn't mention it in this show because I didn't want to come off anti-Mr. Perfect because I like him on the show. After the third Mr. Doink match, I wrote seeing three Mr. Perfect matches in a row and then seeing three Bret Hart matches in a row, Bret Hart looks better. Yeah, I get it. I get it. I get, I get, I get how we get there. I thought he looked so... I thought he looked better in the... Nope. Brett match. Now, Brett's a little hamstring there, but he doesn't have a qualifying match. Yes. Hey, he's the number one seed. Number one seed. I like this. This is like one of our first big uh, disagreements. Like, normally we disagree all show and then come to the exact same conclusions. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. And now we pretty much agree for the whole show and come to slightly different conclusions. So, there's I, something. I can't hate on it. I, I mean, I, I, like, I like the Mr. Perfect... Uh, Mr. Hughes match a lot. So I mean, yeah, I think that's kind of the, the swing vote for me is like, okay, do I think the doink matches? I all think are good. I think the last one is really good to me. Weighing that against the, the, the great bam, bam match is like, okay. Like to me, these sort of equate to each other to some degree. Not Brett's fault. He didn't get to compete more, but you know, now thinking, thinking about it, I actually think that maybe if there weren't three Doink matches, maybe if it was just the third Doink match, the Hughes match, and the Hart match, I'd have an easier time picking Mr. Perfect, but I don't like that first match, the first Doink match as much as you. Yeah, that's fair. That's fair. Yeah. So let's just get into our show ratings now. So I do want to stay up front. We are not going to be rating the non-tournament matches for the purposes of rating the tournament. And that is also because, like, for future tournaments, they might take place over multiple nights. And we won't be doing full show reviews. This just happened to be the case. We're like, okay, then almost the entire tournament takes place on that night. Let's just do that. We did clearly discuss that, and I completely forgot that. Well, then you um, better pick a new rating. <laughs> now, it's we're doing quarters, correct? I think we've decided quarters. I think, I think I'm going to go 3.75. Wow. I I like a lot of it, and the bad stuff is mostly short. That's real. That's real. What about I, you? This is feels like to me the platonic ideal of a three three star tournament. Ooh, this is just like okay, it's good. It's got like a couple of really strong matches. It also has like Lex Luger versus Tatanka. Oh, it does have that. It does have that. And while I don't think like a Bam Bam or it versus Duggan or 
a Hughes versus Kamala or Tanaka versus Gonzalez are like matches against God and his will. They are also not matches that like, okay, those are kind of kind of stinkers still. Um or at yeah. best, they're okay. Okay. I'd like to retroactively make it a three point five because I'm looking through all these qualifying. That also means I have Tatanka Giant Gonzalez. I have Mr. Hughes Kamala. I have that first doink perfect match I don't love. But I originally I'll let you know I originally wrote down at the bottom two point seven five. I hate Hulk versus Yoko that much. Yes. And then when you remove that like, oof, so I immediately, immediately gave it another point and I'm looking through it and I, I can go to 3.5. I definitely like it more than you. I think that I, I have I, to be honest with myself. I have to be like, okay. Yeah. It's King of the Ring 1993. One of the more renowned tournaments in American wrestling history. Actually better than Tournament of Death 3. I That's couldn't a, say yes to me. For me, couldn't be a yes. We, and we gave Tournament of Death 3.5, right? Yes. So I'm there saying they are exactly equal. <laughs> they are identical in quality which i can go to that's bed what that means easy tonight that's fine to me i can my i can rest my head on that that's fine i think both of those results are very funny uh necro very... and breckhart basically you know basically had similar nights yeah honestly yeah yes um green phantom versus necro better than R- razor versus brett all right that's it that's king of the ring 1993 any other kind of closing thoughts before we announce next show's tournament? No, I don't think so. I thought it was really good. Um, like I said, the, it doesn't even seem like the most on night for commentary ever. It is such an indictment on current commentary. They are. It was so fun. Everyone was so good. Even with Randy being a little annoying. Like, I just enjoyed it. Yeah, like Savage feels like, okay, he is all three commentators now. Essentially, it feels like in a sense like, oh, it's all chaotic. No one is really kind of it's either incredibly scripted or just feels like they're just saying shit. Nothing really matters. He adds a very interesting spice that I do not love. But yeah. like it's so obvious that like Jim Ross during this period knows how to really bring history into everything, really make everything feel alive. Like, okay. These are people, they are larger than life, but they're also deeply real. Mr. Hughes, yes, he looks like a total goofball with his glasses, his suspenders, but he's also going to dropkick someone. And also, yeah, he was a former college football player and was really stealing all this lunch money out there. A point that I made in the past, not on this show, but I want to make that I think Bobby the Brain Heaton is one of the best of all time and is one of the biggest problems in history of commentary because he is genuinely hilarious and everyone that comes after him thinks they are hilarious. That is true. That's fair. Like people think they're funny. Like he's funny. He's quick on his feet. Corey Graves isn't, I don't, I don't know an example, but like just all the other ones aren't. Yeah. It's like everyone doing improv in college. Yeah. Okay. You're not, you're not them. Um, sorry, you're not the adult swim crew. Get the back of the line. Well, that's it. That's going to ring nineteen ninety three. Next episode, we are going to be talking about something brand new. 
Triple A's, Triple Mania, Ruleta de la Morte. I may have said that completely wrong. I was not also trying to say that with any accent. So if that came off, I apologize in advance, or I guess in retrospect. But yeah, that's it. That's to me finishing up soon, you told me, right, Dan? Uh, this Saturday, three days from now. Okay, so by the time you hear this, that tournament's done. We're going to be doing that next time. I haven't seen anything from it. I'm pumped. I'm jazzed. Dan, do you got any plugs? No. Um, just listen to everything on We Don't Know Wrestling. Um, it's really good. Oh, I'll, real fast. So I did this last week when I just randomly watched ETWA tournament. And I don't want to speak ill of him because I know he passed away. But I'm, I have this show in my brain 24-7. So when Noki passes away, I go to Cage Match. I go, what are some tournaments he's been in? He was in a shoot-style tournament with Sting, a kickboxer named Tony Palmore, and Gerard Goudeau from UFC 1. Nobody watched that. No one watched any of that. What do you mean no one watched any of that? It's so bad, Sam. I know you're not going to believe me. It is so bad. That sounds so... You know it I have cool. to now, right? And then when I, if I describe the matches to you, you'd be like, this is really cool. You don't want to watch it. Uh, the kickboxer, Tony Palmore, I think his name is, lightly kicks in the direction of Sting for what feels like 45 minutes. Sting wants nothing to do with it, has his hands up, backs up a bunch. And then Noki runs away from Gerard until he ends up choking him out. Amazing. I and then the final is Sting episode. putting Noki in an STF for five minutes. And then another STF for another five minutes. It's so, so bad. There are lots of good Anoki matches. Everyone go watch them. Follow me and Sam. You know, listen to Reno No Wrestling. There we go. Follow me at Concrete1982 on Twitter. Follow the podcast network at WDKWPN. Go listen to Quentin Tim R on the SoundCloud feed. I am been pumped with this show. So stay along for the ride. And thank you all for listening.